0: All right, if you've got your Bibles, and I'm sure you do, we're in Judges chapter 17. Uh, We have uh, moved out of the life of Samson, and we're coming into the final four chapters uh, of the book. And so we'll be talking about that. A couple couple things on the horizon for us. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are both on Sundays this year. And uh, so we'll, on Christmas Eve, December 24th, we'll have our annual candlelight service. We'll have a lot of special music, uh, things like that. But we are going to start it at 5 o'clock rather than 6 o'clock. Some folks travel to Grandma's house and other places, so we'll start a little bit early. It'll still be dark out. Um, And uh, so just I hope you'll plan on that and uh, just uh, make ready for the... The, uh, the celebration of Christmas Day, it's always a special time for it. So it's an easy service to get folks come visit. Uh, and I hope you'll uh, be, be busy inviting folks to come out. Then New Year's Eve is also on a Sunday the following week. Uh, and uh, so that night, we're just going gonna to have some fun. We're going to be spiritual at the same time. Uh, we won't, we're going to just uh, all come to church wearing flannel. How's that sound? Not jammies. You save that for when you go to Walmart, okay? Um, I I cannot believe how, this is a digression, I can't believe how people dress to go to Walmart. I, I just don't get it. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, wear your flannel shirts and things like that. Uh, we'll have our, our service, have a time maybe to, uh, have some testimonies reflecting back over, uh, 2023 and, and maybe some things that God did for you, Uh, a little bit of looking ahead, uh, to the coming of the new year. Then after that, we're going to tear down all the Christmas decorations. We're also, uh, going to have chili and homemade bread, uh, after the service. So we want you to sign up. And uh, make some of that. And we're going to have a contest to see who's got the best tasting chili, the spiciest chili that, that can be... Can, Mike always wins. He just puts ghost peppers into whatever. And, uh, and then uh, after uh, we fellowshiped a little bit uh, like that, we're going to set up the volleyball net. And uh, those that would like to, and I'm not sure it's anybody from this class, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll have some volleyball and some activity and uh, then, uh, you know, I'm not sure how long we'll stay. For me, you know, 8 o'clock is bedtime these days, uh, with or without time change. Uh, not, not, not exactly that bad. But uh, my trainer, Sam, wants to have a deadlifting party at 11 o'clock New Year's Eve. And his, his plan is at midnight, everybody that's there, we're going to try to set a new personal record in deadlifting. And uh, 11 o'clock, he's starting at 11, it's like, Sam, that just... Doesn't work for me, uh, but anyhow, we're going to have a little bit of fun with that. Uh, then on uh, Sunday, January seventh, I'm sort of giving you a preview here. Uh, we're going to have what we are going to call this year Vision Sunday. Uh, it is time for our church to uh, get over the uh, the COVID malaise that I think set in just a little bit and uh, step forward and, and we've been praying our, our pastoral staff been praying for the last several months and uh, some things that uh, we, we want to do and uh, we got some things already scheduled set in stone and uh, it's time for us to go forward uh, there's people that that can be reached if we will go out to reach them and and I think maybe we've just uh Uh, Gotten used to the status quo, and it's time to get over that. That's seldom a good place to stay. Um, And so we'll have three Sundays in a row Christmas Eve, then New Year's Eve, and then Vision Sunday on January the 7th. And I hope you'll be in your places. And uh, I know the holidays are a time to travel. Uh, And uh, if you do, uh, be safe and and plan well for that. If you're not going to travel, I hope you'll be here uh, and be in your places for that. Did you find Judges 17? All right, um, I've been uh, trying to do a little research as to when in the time frame of the book of Judges, the, the events of Judges 17 and 18 take place. Um, there's, there's no judge that is mentioned like Othniel or Ehud or anything like that. Um, so it's a little hard to pinpoint the, the, the rule of the judges uh, lasted for 450 years. Uh, from the time that uh, Joshua passed away uh, until the time, if you will, that Saul was crowned as the first king of Israel, uh, four and a half centuries went by. So trying to pinpoint this, uh, a lot of uh, scholars that I consulted sort of see Judges 17 and 18 uh, as, as coming maybe uh, in the, uh, the early days, maybe under the days of Ehud. Um, uh, early on in that Uh, others put it way at the tail end so there's no way to definitively say uh, what is important for us to realize is we know that the judges was not a was not a a healthy time for God's people Um, it was a it was a time of if you will to me uh, it's like living in the rut Uh, just okay. We're right with God. We have God's blessing. Take it for granted. We fall into idolatry. God brings us into captivity. We get tired of that and uh, start repenting. So God gives us a judge, brings us back to God, gives us victory over our enemies. And we're, we're right back where we started. And we just run that cycle over and over again. By the way, that was never God's plan for his people. And it is not God's plan for us either. Um, God wants us to constantly be going forward and growing in grace. And uh, the book of Judges, they did not do that. Verse 6 of chapter 17 gives us, if you will, a summary of the spiritual mindset and temperature uh, of the people. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If we were to do that, just in this congregation, just with the folks assembled in the room right now, if we were to decide, uh, okay, we're going to let Rich decide what's right about this issue. We're going to let Tim decide what's right about this, and so on and so forth. We'd probably come up with uh, thirty or forty different opinions of right and wrong. Um, that's that's the way our world lives now. That's why they say, uh, "My truth." How many have heard that? Or this is your truth. And there's no absolute of right and wrong. And look at the chaos that is represented out in our world out there. Look at how things have changed in our lifetimes. A lot of us are in the same age group. Um, And and the changes that we've seen. When I was a little boy, um, I understand not everybody in in America was a a born-again Bible-believing Christian. uh, But people were far more conservative And actually, the Judeo-Christian ethic was far more prevalent in our culture than it is today. Uh, We now live in what is called a post-Christian era. Uh, How many have heard that phrase? Um, But when I grew up, we had blue laws in Pennsylvania. Uh, On Sunday, uh, you couldn't go fishing, you couldn't go hunting, gas stations were closed, Uh, uh, you couldn't go shopping, uh, that type of thing, because Sunday was a day to do what? It was a day to rest. It was actually a day to go to to church, Um, whether it was a Bible-believing church or not. um, People had a different set of of values. Uh, I remember in the little high school that I went, Dayton Junior and Senior High School, Dayton, Pennsylvania, uh, there was a scandal in our school because one of the senior girls got pregnant out of wedlock, Um, and she had to quit school. And I mean, it was just like the scandal of scandals. Uh, now it's kind of the norm. It's kind of the norm. Um, and it's, it's, you know, now, you know, we, we and, and I'm not saying that because somebody makes a mistake that we take them out and stone them. I, I don't, I believe God's into reclamation. Uh, God, God's into restoring people uh, and helping them find their way back to God. But now we almost celebrate it. Uh, we've changed because we've gone from an absolute uh, of right and wrong, found largely in the word of God, to everybody's doing that which is right in their own eyes. And it just leads to chaos. So God gives us, we're going to have in these final four chapters of Judges, God's going to give us two separate instances Uh, uh, where this was put into play, and we're just going to see everything uh, that transpired from that. Chapter 17, we meet a man by the name of Micah, um, and he lives in the region of Mount Ephraim. That is where Joshua set up his homestead uh, in the land that was given to him by the nation of Israel. Uh, We read last week that his mother had 1,100 shekels of silver, which was a small fortune that had been stolen from her, and uh, she'd complained, and she had cursed loudly about this. Turns out that her son Micah is the one that stole the money. And uh, he might have been afraid that uh, whatever curse that she put out there was going to come to pass on him. Uh, We saw in verse number uh, two, um, he said, the silver is with me, I took it. Um, and his mother, blessed be thou of the Lord, my son. There was, no, there was no reprimand for him. There was no correction. There was no, how could I raise a thief? I can't believe you did that. She just said, uh, blessed be thou of the Lord, my son. Boy, I'm so thankful I raised a thief. Wasn't God good to me? Um, and when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver, verse three, to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto whom? The Lord, the way the word Lord is spelled, what is the Hebrew reference to God there? Jehovah, when you see it, capital uh, L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is Jehovah God. I had holy, that word holy means completely, without any reservation. I had dedicated the silver, I'm I'm gonna use the word Jehovah here, unto Jehovah, the Lord, from my hand for my son, to make a graven image and a molten image. So which was it? Had she wholly dedicated it to the Lord? Or had she dedicated it to her son so he could make some idols? Uh, in her mind, it's both. That They've, they've uh, just uh, married, if you will, uh, biblical faith, uh, with the, the idolatry of the world around them. It makes no sense at all, but that's the way, that, that's the, way the world operated uh, in, in the time of the judges. By the way, it uh, is the tendency to still do it now. Last week, we went to Jeremiah 7, and Jeremiah preached against uh, the Jewish people hundreds and hundreds of years later that they were worshiping God and idols. They were trying to do the same thing. Uh, Ezekiel had the same issue that he was commanded to preach against. We went to the New Testament uh, to where the Savior said in the Sermon on the Mount, no man can serve two masters for either he will love the one and hate the other or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? Uh, uh, Money, the riches of this world. Jesus said, you can't serve both. Um, Is Jesus always right? Right. That's so nobody can do it. So it's not just a uh, book of judges time period problem. It is a, it is a time, uh, a timeless problem. And his mother was doing this. Um, now, therefore, she said, I, I will restore it unto thee. So she, he stole it from her. He's given it back. Now she gives it back to him. Um, Yet he restored the money unto his mother. His mother took 200 shekels of silver, gave them to the founder who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a house of gods, made an ephod, that's a a robe uh, that a priest would wear, uh, usually very expensive. Uh, often embroidered uh, in, in uh, colors and patterns and so forth. Uh, teraphim uh, were, were um, more clay type uh, idols, uh, some that, w- that could be reproduced and, and sold uh, cheaply to people who were gonna join in on a religion. Consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So we, we got this guy, Micah. He's got a house of idols. His mom is just, it's funny, she had 1,100 shekels of silver that she'd wholly dedicated to the Lord, but she ends up only taking 200 shekels of it to make the idol. Evidently, she you know—you uh, know—she decided she needed to pay the light bill or something like that with it. Um, the story moves on. So we got this, this, Micah has a house of idols. There was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah. Well, that's a familiar town, isn't it? Can somebody tell me things that happened in Bethlehem, Judah? Well, anybody? The Savior was born there. Anybody else? Yeah, King David was born there. Um, This Bethlehem, Judah, um, there's another book of the Bible that revolves around events in Bethlehem, Judah. There are four chapters and four letters in the name. The first name, first letter is R. Ruth. Okay, the events of the book of Ruth took place uh, in Bethlehem, Judah. Uh, So there's a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite. This man, apparently either his father or his mother was of the tribe of Judah, and the other parent was of the tribe of Levi. Remember, only the tribe of Levi could serve as priest at the tabernacle. So uh, here's a young man, and uh, the Bible says he's a Levite, and he sojourned there. He, he stayed there, but not with the intention of, of uh, being permanent residence. He had, he had his sight set elsewhere. The man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn, Where he could find a place. So he's just out on his own looking for a place where he can settle down, where he can serve. You will notice in this account um, that there's absolutely no mention of seeking the will of God. There's none whatsoever whatsoever. Uh, way back in our study in the book of, of Genesis, we're going back a few years now, uh, when Abraham's servant was sent uh, to go find a bride for Isaac, um, he clearly asked for God's direction uh, on everything. You're going to find out that this young man doesn't do that at all. It's, it's as if he wants a place to serve, but he's got this idea. It's all, it's all up to him. It's all up to his intellect. I mentioned Vision Sunday, some things that the pastoral staff, young men and I, have been praying about together. Um, We're not just looking for items to fill a calendar or or things to provide activity. We're looking, what does God want Heritage Baptist Church to do in the coming year? How would God have us reach out to people Um, and, and so forth? There's none of that in this young man's life. Uh, by the way, uh, his name is given to us. Turn to chapter 18. Ap- chapter 18, verse 30. We're skipping ahead a little bit, and so we'll fill, fill you in a little bit uh, uh, as, as we come up to it. The children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land, so this young Levite's name is Jonathan. Um, he is of he is the son of Gershom, uh, the son of Manasseh. Manasseh was one of the sons of Joseph in the Old Testament. Um, we're not sure if this is his entire genealogy, um, but that, that leads some scholars to think this might've taken place early in the book of Judges because there's only, uh, three generations mentioned there, but his name's Jonathan. Let's go back chapter, uh, 17. Um, so the Bible says he came in verse number eight, uh, to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah as he journeyed. Uh, in those days, if you're traveling somewhere, uh, there weren't a lot of uh, hotels uh, and things like that. Um, hospitality was very big, still is very, very big in Middle Eastern countries. And uh, so if someone came to you in, in, journey, in, in their journey, um, it, was, it was a matter of your personal honor to take care of them. Uh, to provide them a place to sleep, to provide food, to provide water, uh, if you could, to provide uh, provender and so forth for their animals. It was just a matter of your personal honor to do those things. And that's how they, they were able to maneuver in the harsh climate and terrain of that part of the world. So he came to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, verse number nine, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. So he's a Levite, that puts him in the priestly tribe of Israel, okay? And he said, I'm just out looking for a place. And Micah said unto him, dwell with me and be unto me a father and a priest. Now we know he's a a young man, it says that in verse 7, uh, but he says, I want you to be a father to me. Uh, that that more th- than likely means I'd like you to be a spiritual father to me. I would like you to be a spiritual guide and counselor to me. Uh, and a priest, I want you to represent me before God. I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year and a suit of apparel and thy victuals. So the Levite went in. I'm going to give you... Uh, your food, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you. Uh, every year you're going to get a new suit of clothes that you're going to wear. Pretty good deal for a young man uh, in that day and age to start out with. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man. And the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consecrated the Levite. And the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Can we just stop there for a moment? Micah had a house of idols. Talk to me, throw out some thoughts you have about this young Levite uh, that is out searching for a place and joining himself to become a priest to the house of Micah. Do you have any thoughts on that? What's that? Yeah, yeah, actually, the very next verse says that I stopped reading on purpose. Now, now I uh, know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Yep, sort of like, uh, you know, I got my St. Christopher medal hanging from my mirror, so I won't get in a car accident type thing. Anything else? Good observation. Anything else about this young Levite, Micah, his house of idols? Uh, definitely not following the word of God at all. Does anybody remember the, the geographical location that the Jewish people were to go with their sacrifices, their offerings and so forth? Does anybody know the name of the place that it, that, uh, that it was set up in, in both Joshua and the time period of the judges? No, not Gilgal, Shiloh. And remember God said that's the only place. Um, that, that's where all the sacrifice come. Um, and so here's this Levite looking for a place and he's going to become a priest in a house of idols. Um, he, he's ignoring the Bible at every turn. Um, and, and uh, part of it is he's been offered some good pay. You know, he, he's, he's not going to have to worry about eking out a living. He's got this guy that's going to take care of him uh, and, and all of these things. You got a young man that is, that is totally ungrounded in the word of God. Somebody failed. Somebody failed to teach him the word of God. Who would that be? Who would that be that failed? Mom and dad. Mom and dad failed to to ground him in the things of God. Um, That's why we we have so much in in our ministry that is geared toward children, Uh, Sunday school classes, junior churches, a Wednesday night program, Sunday night beginners, Bible hour, a Christian school uh, and so forth. Uh, Because we as a church want the next generation to to know the Bible. We're not here to entertain. We're we're not here to entertain. Uh, Brother Rob Uh, he, he's one of these organized guys. He's got all of his youth activities for 2024 already planned out. Yeah. I don't even have next week planned out. Um, he's got all of them planned out. Uh, and of course he's working around missions conference and and ladies conference, things like that. Uh, but he's got them all planned out, but, uh, I don't care what the youth activity is. Uh, there's always a time where they open the Bible and there's teaching and preaching from the word of God. Uh, but it's got to come from more than just brother Rob. It's got to come from mom and dad. Amen. The strongest, most spiritual teenagers are the ones who have it at home and not just at church. See, if they have it at church, but not at home, they're they're getting two different voices, two different messages. And that breeds confusion in them. And young people need to hear the same thing at home as they they, they get a church. Somewhere along the line, uh, Micah's, Micah's f- uh, parents failed to in, in, in ingrain the word of God in him. Keep your place here and turn back with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Just a couple books previous. Deuteronomy chapter number six. The Bible says in verse number four, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. In verse seven, and thou shalt, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house When thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not. Wells digged, which thou diggest not. That was scary. Vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. Then thou shalt have eaten and been full. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So here in the, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law, it's a, it's a second generation that came out of Egypt, Uh, The Lord, through Moses, is reminding the parents to teach your children diligently the commandments, the statutes, the judgments of Almighty God. It's our job. Now, we can't make them get saved. Wouldn't it be great if we could make our kids or grandkids get saved? We can't make them love the Lord. We can't make them obey the Lord. We can, to a certain extent, while they're young, We understand that sooner or later, every individual has to decide for themselves uh, to choose Christ or not, but if, if they choose anything other than Christ, let it never be said it was because we did not teach them. But we are given a promise, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. Um, there are no perfect parents. There are no perfect children. Uh, but as parents, that's that's our job. That's our job. Uh, take it seriously. Um, I I enjoy most of the time uh, having my grandchildren living underneath me. I say most of the time. Uh, I I've, I injured my back, uh, you know, a, a week or two ago, and. Uh, Friday and Saturday just were kind of difficult days maneuvering around. And I had taken some stuff, uh, hopefully to, to alleviate some of the back pain last night. And about the time that I was ready to call it a day and go to sleep, Wesley decided that he was going to have his cranky time. And uh, their bedroom is directly below mine. Uh, And so Wesley cried at the top of his lungs for about 40 minutes or so. And uh, Anna, I could tell from the other noises coming from downstairs, she was doing dishes. Um, I have no idea what Rob was doing, though I think Nathan was up to no good and Rob was dealing with him. So here's this child crying and so forth. So it was one of those times, it was like, uh, Lord, the rapture could come now and I'd be really, really, really happy. But, you know, most of the time I, I, I love listening to what goes on down uh, downstairs. Um, Mo, you, you've all heard me talk about uh, Tommy. Uh, you know, Tommy's autistic and we're, we're, we're praying so much for him. The Lord would open his understanding and so forth. Um, when there are times Tommy will just sit down. Sometimes he sits on me. He's 110 pounds. I weighed 112 pounds on my wedding day. He's 110 pounds. He'll be nine years old in a week or so. And he'll, sit on, he'll just sit on my lap uh, like I'm a little tiny Santa Claus. And he'll just say, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What comes next, Papa? And I'll start quoting the next verse, and then he'll say, nope, you got the wrong word. And he'll quote the, the the next verse to me, and then he'll quote the next verse to me. And then he'll talk about how God made everything. Uh, then he'll start talking about who Jesus is and so forth. Uh, where's Tommy getting that? It's going to get from mom and dad. Um, many of you that have been around here for years know Jeff and Melanie St. Ange. Uh, and their, their son, Evan, uh, was born with, with uh, uh, some severe issues and so forth. And, and can, by the way, that's another family out of sight. Let not it be out of mind. Uh, Evan has been having seizures. They're not, they don't go out in public much. Um, uh, he's having seizures. And the doctors, there's a name for it. The doctors are saying that he's at a place in his life, he's about 21, 22 years old now, he will have a seizure that just will not ever end. Um, and they're, they're struggling with that. But I remember from the time he was small, uh, he would know who I was and, and he would know who various people were, they taught him so much, and he could quote more verses than most adults I know. And it wasn't just the matter of a puppet repeating things mom and dad said. There came a day when Evan came under conviction of his sin and understood that he needed to be saved. And I still remember the Sunday where he got baptized uh, and so forth. That's the mom and dad, you realize, going above and beyond uh, out of necessity because they just had a burden. They wanted their child to know the Bible we're spending a few moments on this. This young man, Jonathan, his parents didn't teach him. He was not grounded in anything. Uh, he was a Levite. You would think that that alone uh, would let him know his, his uh, relationship with God, at least what it was supposed to be. Uh, he was seeking a place to serve God, but he ends up serving in a house of idols. And he's content to do that. And Micah, again, verse 13, as we close out chapter 17, then said Micah, now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. We're not sure who all of his other idols graven images represented. Baal worship was a popular Canaanite. Uh, false religion when when Israel uh, went in under Joshua. We know that they worshipped goddesses like Ashtoreth. Uh, they worshipped uh, a god named Milcom, uh, the, you know, the gods of the Philistines where there was Dagon. Uh, we're not sure he had a house of idols, plural, uh, sort of like this museum of all these things, you know, just hoping that, that one of them was going to be right and so forth. And this guy, Micah, is just adding a a a Levite to the collection, as Adam said, uh, to be his priest, and he's assured that I got my good luck charm, now the Lord's gonna do me good. God is not a good luck charm. God is God. God's not the rabbit foot that we pull out when, you know, to rub it so, you know, we hope good luck comes. He's not a wishing well. He's God Almighty. And uh, we are his servants, and, and we are subject unto him, and this Micah's got it all wrong. And sadly... This Levite should have brought him the word of God. Should have straightened him out. The Levite should have looked and said, well, I'll stay with you, but the house of idols has got to go. But the Levite was looking for whatever paid the most. And this was a good deal, and he joined. The story is going to get even worse. In those days, there was no king in Israel. We've already seen that statement once in chapter 17, verse 6. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in, for unto that day all their inheritance had not followed or fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. Remember when the book of Judges opened, Brother Tim walked through us, and they had conquered the land, but they had not occupied the land. There was a lot of it uh, that was still under Canaanite control, and, uh, at, at first they went out to try to conquer and then things got a little hard for them. And so they gave up. Uh, they, they just stopped trusting that God would, would, would uh, give them complete victory. And then they decided, you know what? We can, uh, we can tax these Canaanite people and draw money from them. And it became lucrative for them. And of course, uh, that compromise led to even greater compromise. And pretty soon they were living more like the Canaanites. And there's no record of the Canaanites living like them. Um, So the children of Dan, they had their inheritance. They just had not conquered all of it. They had not taken claim to it. So verse 2, the children of Dan sent of their family or their tribe, five men from their coast, men of valor from Zorah and from Eshtol to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, go search the land, who when they came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they lodged there. Maybe that this guy Micah, because he had a house of idols, it may be that his home was a very large home, and it was a, a place that they, even approaching it, in their minds it would say, yeah, he can put up a lot of people, even though there were only five of them, um, So they're coming from Zoran, from Eshtol. Their job is to spy out the land. That's what Moses did uh, in Numbers chapter 13. He took one man from each tribe of Israel to spy out the land. That is what Joshua did before they went to Jericho. He sent two men in to spy out the land. So the men of Dan are following precedent, sending five men out. Uh, They come to the house of Micah, When they were by the house of Micah, they knew the voice of the young man, the Levite. Maybe the young man was lifting up prayers. Maybe he was preaching. Maybe he was singing. But they recognized his voice. Somehow uh, they, they had been associated with him. Remember, he was traveling around trying to find a place to land. They recognized his voice and they turned in thither, and said unto him, who brought thee hither? And what makest thou in this place, and what hast thou here? Now, they're not in their territory. They're they're in the, the territory of Ephraim, okay? That's Joshua's uh, tribe and so forth. They're trying to figure out, why, what's this Levite doing there? How did you get there? They're just sort of... Uh, You know, getting getting uh, the lay of the land with him, he said unto them, Thus and thus dealeth Micah with me, and hath hired me, and I am his priest. And they said unto him, Ask counsel we pray thee of God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. And the priest said unto them, Go in peace, before the Lord is your way, wherein ye go. Did the young man ask counsel of the Lord? It's not recorded um he just speaking off the top of his head cuz Micah has taught him oh you're a priest you're you're the go between your your word is the same as the word of the Lord and he offers them basically a you know a generic feel good type of thing uh go in peace before the Lord is your way wherein ye go do you understand how generic that was of course the, the Lord's out there, the Lord's, he, he's, he's wherever I'm going, good or bad, he's there before me. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Um, so he just gives them, you know, sort of a, a little platitude here, lets him, let them know it's going to be a, 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 a good thing and, and so forth. Verse seven, and the five men departed and came to Laish. This was a city and saw the people that were therein, how they dwelt careless after the manner of the Zidonians. The Zidonians were in, a, in the land, modern day Lebanon, to the north of the nation of Israel. Um, and uh, they, were, they were in the mountains in that region. And they, they pretty much weren't worried about being attacked or whatever. Their, their territory and terrain uh, gave them a sense of safety. And these people of Laish. Uh, they had adopted some of that similar lifestyle. When it says they dwelt careless, it means that uh, they, they really kind of had a carefree life. They weren't worried about invaders. Um, they, they may not have even have, had a wall around their city. Uh, they probably didn't have much of an army. Uh, they just didn't see the need for it. The wars of Canaan were over. They felt secure about it. Uh, so the Bible says they were quiet and secure. There was no magistrate in the land that might put them to the shame. To shame in anything, they, they really didn't even have any laws. It, it's just kind of the, these people in Laos, Just they, they just kind of went through every day. They, they didn't have a sheriff or judges or anything like that to tell them what to do. Uh, they just had a very, very simple, uncomplicated way of life. Now they're Canaanites. Okay, but uh, unlike the other cities Joshua and and his generation encountered, uh, these weren't these weren't a warlike people. Uh, they, They weren't after anybody's territory and as far as they knew, nobody was after theirs until now. And they were far from the Zidonians. Probably they they had drifted down from the north, ended up in this place from Zidon and had no business with any man. They just took care of themselves, probably a simple little farming community, that type of thing. Um, And so uh, this place called Laish is going to become extremely important. Um, And we're going to see, we're going to stop here at verse number seven. These five men have seen this place. Remember, they're spying out the land. They're looking for uh, a place for, for them to go dwell. And they think they found an easy spot to do that. And um, so they're going to go back home with a a story. And Jonathan, this young Levite, and Micah, who has the house of gods, their role in the events that are unfolding uh, is not yet finished. So we'll be back here next Sunday morning. It is 1046, so we've got about 14 minutes before.